Can I talk to you for a second? What? Pino, who's your favorite basketball player? Magic Johnson. Who's your favorite movie star? Eddie Murphy. Who's your favorite rock star? Prince. You're a Prince Ross. Bruce. Prince. Bruce. Pino, all you ever talk about is nigga this and nigga that. And all your favorite people are so-called niggas. It's different. Magic, Eddie, Prince are not niggas. I mean, they're not black. I mean, let me explain myself. They're, they're not really black. I'm, I mean, they're black, but they're not really black. They're, they're more than black. It's, it's, it's different. It's different? Yeah, to me, it's, it's different. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy, 12 Years a Slave, The Help, Amistad, The Butler, Django Unchained, Birth of a Nation. We are either the help or the grateful slaves, and if we're really lucky, the exotic love interest of our white counterparts. When Black Panther came out, so did all the black folk and the critical people who couldn't understand why. Today, Brother Jake and I are going to delve into how Hollywood tells black stories. Welcome back, Jake. Thanks for having me back. Did I have a choice? Uh, <laughs> the real question is, did I have a choice? No. Um, <laughs> no. This is covering the rent, I think, for this month. Uh, I, think, I think so. I think that's pretty accurate. And, you know, uh, we dragged our sister in here. So so we're making the rounds. We're making the rounds. Let me start off by uh, correcting a little bit of what you said. You said Hollywood uh, either portrays us as the help or grateful slaves. That's not true. They also sometimes portray us as thugs. Oh! You, you, you can't forget that, Thank right? you. How could I forget that small, you know, thank you, Denzel, mm -hmm. for winning the Oscar for, in uh, Training Day. Yeah. You know, because yeah. forget all of the other amazing movies that he did prior to that that got nothing, no accolades, but you know what? When he was that treacherous cop, a snake. We <laughs> fell in love. Hollywood fell in love with the real Denzel Washington. No, you're right. I should have totally added that that component to our uh, list of stereotypical portrayals of black people in movies. <laughs> but I think that one of the things that we have to think about is what goes into the making of these films and what goes into how they are ultimately evaluated, criticized, and, and, and how is uh, decisions made about who receives what awards, right? What is Oscar worthy, right? Uh, you know, you walked in the other day and you mm -hmm. saw me watching, what was it, La La Land? Or oh, LA? man, I, don't, I and you, shade. I was and your so eyes, and, I, and I, had, I had to plead with you. I said, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Some research. Right? I'm doing research. You know, you said you wanted to talk about Hollywood and all this stuff, I, I, and... This movie won all these awards, and I remember, I can't remember exactly which um, award show I was watching, maybe it was the Golden Globes or something like that, and I saw it winning all these awards, and I, I wanted to understand why. And what was the year? Remind me, do you remember what year it was that La La Land won? Because I, there had to be something else that was better than that, right? Well, I think that was the same year that Moonlight uh, was, was a big That's was a big what it film, was. It was right? in 2016. You're right. So it was yeah. 2016, and I'm pretty sure it was Moonlight, La La Land, and there was something else that came up that should have, in my opinion, Moana. <laughs> I, think, I think Moana. Um, Lion was also one of them. Hell, Deadpool I could even respect. 
Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures was another big movie that year. Actually, yeah, that is an interesting year. Okay, so now I'm looking back on it. You're telling me that La La Land? Yeah. Like, the title alone would have just pissed me off to the point where I'm like, I don't want to watch this, but Hidden Figures? Okay, Moonlight. So these other films, they they did receive respect. I'm not saying that they weren't recognized in the uh, movie industry, but they certainly weren't receiving the awards that one would think they should. No, that, that that's certainly the case. And one of the things, you know, first of all, La La Land, we all, I, I was only able to watch 10 minutes of it. It was, it was terrible. It, it felt like um, a whitewashed Pepsi commercial, if you can imagine <laughs> that, as a possibility. I'm telling you, that's what I thought you were watching when I walked in. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it looked like something, you know, from, from the old Michael Jackson um, Moonwalker video, you know, with sugar-coatedness all over it. But yeah. So anyway, if anybody has actually seen that movie and thinks it's amazing, I'd love to hear your opinion. And I swear to God, I won't mock you in your face. I will wait until we hang up, and then I will. No, we'll but... talk about you on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> But okay, so we have, we have movies like La La Land. Yeah. That obviously are just beautiful and wonderful. And then they give us what? What are some of the movies that, you know, finally we got Black Panther because that was a... Well, you know what, actually, the, the point you're making about... So, so La La Land had a very lighthearted character to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan Gosling or something was in it? Yeah, yeah Ryan yeah, Gosling yeah, yeah. was in it and, 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 and um, a few other... People. People, stars. Yeah, but overpaid people. But anyway, yes. One of the things that we don't get often enough is big Hollywood films mm-hmm. that portray black people or that are, you know, tell black stories that have a lightheartedness to them, right? Oh. There's always a dark, it is. tragic... No you know, pun intended. No, absolutely, right? And you listed off some of the films that, you know, it, it, so either it's, it's if it's uplifting, the, the, uplift element, it's, <laughs> the uplifting element comes through the saving the white agency of a white person, mm-hmm. or it's a very dark movie, like 12 Years a Slave, um... You know, uh, all of like the right roots, the help, the butler, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like the, the sad story of this individual who just, you know, without the help of this white person would have never made it. And then you get the other movies where it's like, like you said, you know, Training Day. Yeah. But you know what's funny? In Training Day, the white guy still gets to be. Oh, he's the hero. He's the he's right. He's the good guy. Why could he be partners with like I don't know, like an Asian dude or a Hispanic guy or another black guy who could see the light and bring him? It's just it's just not fair. And one of the movies that we talked about, and this was you know we've talked about this for years. Both Jacob and I, as mentioned before, we went to boarding school, right? And so we have maybe a slight obsession with private school movie tales like school ties and scent of a woman because they are those light-hearted stories where you kind of fall for the the you know the kid in the movie you're like it's reminiscent of like watching harry potter or something with the dining hall scenes and all that where is our scent of a woman where's our school ties they act like none of us have ever gone to the harvards or the the prep schools of, of the world like i don't remember the last movie like that where I've seen the lead be a person of color, if any person of color in the movie at all. No, I can't think of one uh, that immediately jumps to mind. And you're right, those those kinds of stories that speak to, well, and I think this is the point that we're getting at, which is the homogeneity mm-hmm. of the stories told, right? There are so many different kinds of Black experiences, that, but Hollywood would tell you or portray Black people in a way where you think there's one homogenous 
Hollywood, uh, black experience. And you see this reflected not just in the stories Hollywood tells, but across all dimensions of mainstream cultural life, especially in politics. Yeah. When you watch the presidential debates and the question of, you know, what are you going to do for black people comes up, black people are treated as if all of all black people live in the projects. They're all poor. They're all dealing with issues of violence. And, 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 and that's it. That's the totality of the story that is told about black people and me, in those debates. Right. And let me add in, because it's timely, just the other day, Joe Biden was on. I wanted to make the point about Joe Biden. Well, go you, ahead. you eased in. You, you, I, you yeah, left. I was setting it up for me, not for you. <laughs> you left but the go door. Ahead. You left the door open, and I well, came. Well, you hit him, and then I'll and then I'll finish him off. How, All right. How about how that? About that? <laughs> how about that? But it makes the point where you know we're also we just should be grateful. Be grateful, right? So here, you know, Joe Biden makes this ridiculous comment basically saying, if you don't vote for him, then, you know, as a black person, if you don't vote for Biden, then you're not really black. Yeah. First of all, who in the hell is he to tell anybody who's black enough if they do or do not vote for him? My opinion is no one should be voting for Trump, but that's neither here nor there. The fact that he felt comfortable enough to tell us how we should feel and what we would look like if we didn't vote for him screams of exactly the reason why we continue to have these kinds of movies on, on television and in Hollywood today. And then the second thing is, I got into it with one of our family members. I won't name names, because she's probably not going to listen anyway. But she came at me uh. and said, you know what? What he said is truth, and we should be grateful, and we should vote for him. And I said, that's exactly what's wrong with why we can't get past certain things because we are given what people think we should just appreciate, which is the bare friggin' minimum. Basically, Joe Biden was saying, "You're welcome." Yeah. To to the black to black people, and that's what Hollywood says. Yeah. You know, you lucky we make movies about you. We we put you in our stories, and you should be so thankful. And we give awards to black actors and actresses, you know, and so you should be really thankful about it for, for all of that. But the point is, where's our agency? And that's yeah. where we have to draw the line. And we have to say that we can, the only way in which you can tell authentic black stories is if black people are telling them. Because at the end of the day, Joe Biden or, you know, um, rich white uh, executives, Hollywood executives, they don't know black stories. They don't know how to tell black stories, but because they have power and capital and money on their side, they get to decide the meaning of our own lives for us. What's dude's name? Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Quentin Tarantino, who everyone loves and they love his films. I don't. I like Kill Bill. Now, you know I like Quentin, too. Why you got to bring him up? Because I need to bring him up. All the people we can attack, you going to attack Quentin? Quentin, I'm coming for you. Go ahead. I'm coming for you, Quentin. But he is exactly the kind of person who puts out this, you know, I got black people in my movies, and I care about black people. But he drops the N-word more than anybody I've ever seen in films. And somehow he gets a pass. Like, he gets a pass to do it, and no one says anything about it because it's part of the, it's, well, it's part of the script. It wouldn't, the script wouldn't have the same effect if he didn't do it. Yeah, you, you, so, you know, I have, I, pass. no, not necessarily, <laughs> but I, I will general, I will generalize the point that you're making, which mm -hmm. is Hollywood always edits its films. People always edit their movies, and the stories that are told about the past are never perfect 
accurate reflections of the past. So it's always a decision that is made as to what you're going to keep and what you're not going to keep in right. terms of your representation of, you know, history, right? And so to the extent that he's telling the story about, you know, slave times or, 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 or the Civil War or... Modern-day gangsters. Right, modern-day gangsters. You can... Well, yeah, okay. You can be Fair somewhat enough. eloquent you, as a modern-day gangster. And, and you can alter what... The content of uh, the, the 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 speech, you know, the speeches that that, that these characters uh, make. So the question is, why focus on having them say such brutally ugly things, right? It, it's okay. So I used to do improv when I was in high school, and one of the biggest things that they taught us is you don't always have to go for the easy joke. Mm. You know, as a comedian, you are much better when you use your mind, when you use, you know, your lexicon, when you really dig in deep and come up with clever ways to make people laugh, to engage people. But when I feel like in movies like the one, you know, like Quentin Tarantino does, where it's automatically they drop the N word, the F bomb, they, they go for the stereotypical jokes about mm -hmm. black people. I'm like, this is so easy. Like, why are you getting awards for doing something that anybody could do that's a great point you know the other thing that we talked about that i also want to that, that i think loops in is so the movie american gangster mm. so the movie american gangster um denzel is also in that you know i'm not saying that i'm really a fan of denzel but i do like denzel how I, could you not he's, he's, he's very charismatic he is you know, very good wonderful looking. actor oh fences what anyway so what a great movie if you cut out all of the pieces with what's his name? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Not needed. Didn't need him. This is my my idea. Then what's your idea? <laughs> <laughs> what's your Which idea? is, you know, you watch you watch American Gangster and you wonder what role is the Russell Crowe character playing? Or rather, why is he given such an outsized role? Right? American Gangster could have been, you know, the black godfather. Yes. Because Denzel's performance in it is outstanding. Stellar. The the direct you know it was perfectly directed. It's a great script. But he had character. There were, there were dimensions there was, to there was him a, as a, a person. A rich dimensionality to it all. But then you look over and so much of the movie is focused on Russell Crowe's character. Every the, time you turn the around. The police officer. And I'm spending, and, you, and the movie is spending time focused in on his divorce. And you're wondering, what does this have to do with the story of American, American Gangster? Gangster? Right, It's the story of Frank Lucas. And this police officer ends up getting this outsized role as if anybody was ever at all concerned about him. Ever. And this is in sharp contrast to films that are often made about, you know, great Italian uh, um, gangsters or, or, you know, other kinds of, right. you know, great crim white criminals, right? You don't get the uh, element uh, of, of the, the police as much, right? Or, or even if there's a character who has a small role in the relationship of the lead, they're not taking the main stage for two-thirds, a third of the film. They get a passerby, hey, that's that guy who was sleeping with the wife. Okay, we kill him off, and that's the end of that. You know, Russell Crowe's character, sure, I understand the purpose of it, but he didn't need to be in there for the percentage of time that he was. And I feel like this is what we see a lot in Hollywood films that are supposed to be about Black people and Black stories. They can't help themselves but integrate 
their stories. You know, it's you know, it's like the person that you're sitting with and you're having coffee with or whatever, and you're chit chatting, and you're like, man, that reminds me of that time that I went to the store, and they're like, I once went to the store. Yeah. Let me tell you about the time I went to the store. And you're like, but friend. <laughs> yep. it's, it's, it's you know people who only are waiting for you to finish so that they can tell their own story, right? And and not actually listening to you. Never, never. But so. To contrast it, because I don't want you thinking that we're complete negative people all the time about this, even though, you know, <clears throat> we might be sometimes. Malcolm X. Mm. There's a movie about an individual that was about him. I don't ever feel like in that movie, and maybe I'm wrong, I haven't watched it in a number of years. Man, that's Denzel again. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Well, that's a huge issue also. that Because we got like three pick... black actors. It's like Idris... <laughs> No, there's a lot of great black actors, and the problem is only a few get the really coveted roles. Yeah. And so when you start talking about the portrayal of, of black lives in Hollywood, you end up focusing in on just a handful of people. Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman. Forrest right? Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. And so... Idris now, a little bit but, more. But even Idris, you know... He's the bad guy in a lot of movies. He's, he's the bad guy. He's, he's a background role. He hasn't been, he hasn't had, you know, big blockbuster roles, in my opinion. And for the quality of, you know, he, he's an incredible talent, but he's not the leading man in any major Hollywood movies. No, and there have been a lot of, and I, okay, not a lot, but there have been a number of, like Blair Underwood. He's one of my favorites you know, black actors who you don't see nearly enough. I don't know if it's because he's just chosen to stay out of the limelight or he just doesn't get the roles that he deserves and the, thus, you know, doesn't play in these movies. But who is it? Weren't we talking about at one point Forrest Whitaker where he was in a film, like he's done films where I'm like, but why? Why is that? Oh, the butler. The, yes. Oh, the butler. The butler. Ah. <sighs> And that's the other thing. You know what's funny? Mm. I realize that they choose people at their peaks. So Forrest Whitaker, you know, he's kind of at his peak when he plays in The Butler. Yeah. He's well-known, well-respected. Then you have um, The Help, Viola Davis. Mm. Yeah. You know, they don't choose up-and-coming black actors. They wait for you to be big, and then they're like, you know what? I'm going to put you as the slave, friend. <laughs> and, you like, know, the what? unfortunate thing is these are big these are big uh, blockbuster movies, so there's probably a huge pay, paycheck that's coming with it. And when there's not that many leading roles available yeah. for you... You got bills to pay. And there's not that many roles that come with a big check, it's hard to say no, right? Because you don't know when the next one's going to come around. And so, you know, I can't blame Viola Davis or, or um, Forrest Whitaker for taking those roles. But at the end of the day, those, those roles, you know, those, those are not stories that, you know, speak to the complexity and significance of what black people have done no. in this country and for this country. I mean, the help, the butler, come on. I mean, the titles alone tell you how narrow of a perception Hollywood has of the black story in America. What was the movie that came out a couple of years ago? Um, the black father and mother, they lived in in the neighborhood where he owned a store and the kids were going to a white private school and they ended up killing her boyfriend or her close friend when they were sitting in the car. Do you remember the name of this movie? 
No. No, I'm going to have to think of it. It's it's an important story because it actually reminded me of the story of us growing up in Queens and going to boarding school and the duality of, you know, those lives. Like, you had your your persona at school a little bit and then you had when you came home to Queens you had like your different persona and so this was the first movie that I had seen that actually exemplified that but then of course you know they killed her boyfriend when they were coming out of a a party back home but I'll have to I'll have to think about it and remember the name of it but that's one of the few movies that I can think about the hate you give the hate you give you haven't seen it? No, I haven't. We're going to watch it tonight. We're going to watch it tonight. And 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 I will say, and Jacob and I have talked about this, but a lot of these topics, like this topic in particular, this is not a one and done. I feel like there are so many more things that we need to talk about and hash out and really one, dissect. Two things that I'd say about and, Tyler Perry. And one of the pieces one, that I'm curious about is... to him for being so uh, successful. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm, anytime I see a black person excelling and, and, and making really good money or just doing well, what, yeah. doing well you know, in, in a... Cho- in a, in a, in a in the way that they want to do things, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm happy for them. But on the other hand, he needs to work on his quality control. I think that he puts out too much work and tries to control too many aspects of the production process. I saw the other day he had posted on Instagram, um, you know, several scripts that he had written for, I guess, the show The Oval and, and a few other movies. Greenleaf or something like that. Yeah, and, and was like, you know, I wrote all these scripts myself in the span of a few weeks or something like that. I said, that's not necessarily a good thing. No. You you, you need to take your time with these things. And, 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 and he was, you know, mentioning and was focusing in on the fact that he doesn't rely on other people. Um, yeah, but that's the problem. If If we as black people who are talented, who finally, quote unquote, make it into the industry and are leaders in the industry, if we don't pull other people up with us in some respects, then we'll, we're going we're gonna to have to rely on other people to constantly create our stories for us. And so, that's really not cool. So that's a great point, because part of what he was saying was, you know, the reason he started writing all his scripts himself was he couldn't get enough script writers in a room who could tell stories the way that he knew they needed to be told. Mm. I felt that was also somewhat somewhat unfair. So it might be the case that a lot of, you know, standard uh, Hollywood script writers can't tell stories the way that he wants them to be told or thinks that they should be told. But I'm sure there's there's plenty of writers in this country, you know, there are plenty who knows how to tell those stories. And so he needs to tap in there. And and we all need to be you know, when when you make it big, you need to tap in to the community and bring them along with you. Right. Like. I know of too many talented people who live in Atlanta, like Carlette Jennings, who was on the show with me the other day when we did Girls Trip. She's an actress. She's a she's an actor. She's a comedian. You know, she writes. She does everything. The fact that she has to hustle the way that she does in order to get the roles that she does makes me believe that people aren't tapping into the talent. They aren't tapping into the stories. They aren't reaching out for the novel ways to tell stories. You know, like, yes, okay, I get it. We have a history in America of slaves and and white people who were cruel to slaves. But let's stop telling this story as if it's the only one that exists. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it, first of all, it ends up painting this picture of black people that I think gets internalized by a lot of non-blacks as... If that's all there is about us is, you know, 
we were enslaved and then you know the rest of our history is reflecting on that period right and we and still never like, come out of there's, it yeah there's nothing else going you know let's get past this let's get past that and let's tell more stories that reflect the diversity of life and a long history of life that black people have had in this country. Right. And let's also stop doing this dumb stuff that they do, which I can't stand, where they will take a story. Mm. You know, not just a black story, a predominantly Asian story, a Native American story, and then they will throw the likes of Scarlett Johansson as the lead in our story. Finally, we get the story, you know? Yeah. And they're like, Scarlett Johansson is going to take the lead. We are so excited. Thank you so much. And you're like, Scarlett who? Yeah. Yep. You know, like I, I no sent you an article. Son, no. <laughs> I sent you an article uh, a little bit ago where it turns out that um, the person who made the Harriet film, mm -hmm. uh, when he first started shopping the idea, the studio head said to him, the script is fantastic. Let's get Julia Roberts to play Harriet Tubman. Stop your lies. And, and so, you know. Stop. Somebody responded that um get out <laughs> that intended. wouldn't make any sense you know the studio executive basically like you know it was so long ago no one is going to know the difference and i think that speaks to the cultural ignorance of a lot of privileged white people in this country i told you you know the, i was talking to you the other day and i was telling you about how one time i was sitting in an economics class mm -hmm. and we we're talking about school vouchers or the economics of education or something like that. And right. one of the students turned to me and said, do you have to pay to go to public school? Oh, my gosh. Come on now. Right. Simpleton. Said, you know, somebody like this is going to end up in a very powerful position, probably making decisions that affect the lives of people who they have no whose situation they don't understand at all. And that's the case with Hollywood. Hollywood is run by these executives who don't know anything about the cultural experiences of black people, but they get to decide what movies about black people get made, and that's necessarily going to be a problem. Right. Not only what black movies about black people get made, how we're described in said black movies, how we're represented, what we look like. The number of times that I've seen movies, and this might sound petty, where you can tell that they didn't have a black hairstylist, they didn't have a black makeup artist. I'm like, wait a minute. Who let you walk out of your house looking like that in a major film? You see that way too often and it's upsetting it's really upsetting and you know when i think about the movie get out and i know that some people were you know like we were all very excited when that movie get when it came out but no joke i watched get out and i took i was like oh this is beyond this is real in what sense in, in what sense it's like you feel like you know people were trying to steal parts of us but not acknowledge us either. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the story of that is very long in America. And, of course, you see that in the music industry. Oh, my God. Right? The Kardashians. And, and... The Tradashians. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That was personal. You can't even tell what that one looks like now. Chloe? What? Anyway, anyway, anyway. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Sidetrack. Sidetrack. Right? So you, of course, have so many instances in which black artists would produce amazing songs and then... White artists will just basically hijack them. those songs and, and repurpose them and, and or just... If that. Yeah, just take the song over and uh, it would be a huge hit. And, you know, that, that very much speaks to the theme, the, the, the idea that Get Out is uh, conveying, I believe. What I hope 
and I, I I truly hope because I've definitely seen slight changes in the last year or two, slight, ever so slight. And that's maybe because we've seen more of the likes of the Issa Rays who are, you know, making a name for themselves. And um, his name is is slipping my mind, but from Get Out, um, Key and Peel, which which one was it? It was Peel or is it Key? Oh, oh, um... <laughs> Key or Peel. One of the two yeah. did get out. But, you know, we're seeing more of the directors in Hollywood. So I'm hoping that we can see a change. Because before that, it was basically Spike Lee. Yeah. You know, like Spike Lee was the only one doing black films of any kind that I resonated with. And like, Eddie Murphy. And Eddie, oh my gosh, yes, Eddie Murphy. I don't know what happened. You know, Dr. Doolittle came and it was, and it was over. But. Crooklyn. If you've never seen Crooklyn, mm -hmm. watch that movie. Because if you want to know anything about what it was like for at least my age growing up in Brooklyn, Crooklyn is kind of it. There's a sense of it's not all perfect, but there was a beauty to that movie as well. And there was a, a really wonderful representation of what it was like growing up as a young black girl with siblings on a hot summer day in Brooklyn. That movie was great. School Days. Yeah. Love school days, you know? So, like, some of these movies I would love people to do current versions of now where it's not whitewashed, where, you know, you don't have all of a sudden 20 characters who are non-black at an all-black university. So, you know, a lot of what, what you're speaking about with those Spike Lee movies or with the Eddie Murphy movies, what made them distinctive, right, um, from the kinds of black stories that Hollywood tells, you know, is the ultimate meaning of the black lives lived yeah. that are portrayed in those films is not cast out in terms of their significance for white people. Right. Right. He tells stories about this is just black people living their lives in this context or that context. But the ultimate significance of it isn't how it ended up, you know, impacting some white person now, right. you know, like in the help, right? The, the, how they're made to feel better, yeah. right? Because even in Do the Right Thing, you know, in Do the Right Thing, based in, yet again, in Brooklyn, you've got, like, the hottest summer week ever, and there are white people in there, and it's about the race relations, but it always falls back on the black community and what they needed to do. Mm. You know, the women of Brewster Place, a black women's story, a really strong black women's story. Like, we haven't seen something like that in a long time, and even when Hidden Figures came out, I could feel myself getting a little angry during the film because you could see the shift. They would focus on like the, the supervisor who was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this uh, no black sign down so that you can use the bathroom instead of having to run 10 miles away to use it. And then we're supposed to be like, oh, my God, you're so wonderful. Thank yeah, you, white so man, what, for saving us. And so what's significant there is, you know, how nice this white guy was to these black women, but not that these black women basically, you know, Created the, the, created the innovations no. and, and, and did the research that made possible, you know, uh, great achievements by NASA, right? That's not the important part of the story. It's like how these white people became somewhat better um, right? because of their encounter with, with, with black folk. Um, that's, that's what it is. I think that's the crux of what is so bothersome to me is that no matter what, even when we will have a movie that's supposed to be about black culture, and I'm going to say this. I do mean black culture. I don't mean African-American culture. So when people say African-American culture, what you're doing is you're, you're narrowing the view because it's not just African-American culture. Black culture is far more universal because not all of us 
have parents who were, you know, born in America. Some of us have direct connections to other places. We're Jamaican, we're Haitian, we're, you know, Trinidadian, we're... That cultural subtlety will be lost in a lot of people. I yes, think. but we but will I... have a lesson on that in a future episode but, yeah. because I think it's important to, to digest and, and deconstruct. But you're right. I think that's the biggest thing for me is that the focus in a lot of these films always has to go back to, in some way, how do we make white people feel good about themselves when they walk out of this film about black culture. You know, um, best, uh, two two other films that come to mind in this regard, The Green Book, mm -hmm. um, where it's a story about this great uh, black pianist mm -hmm. um, who's driven around by this sort of Italian thug who becomes his bodyguard. And the story is not about this great black pianist, but ends up being about this this white guy who's protecting him and how he learns and becomes more racially sensitive. Right. You know, um, and and you just see that storyline so often. Over and over and, and so over again. Black people become just vehicles for a white story to be told. Right. Even when the black person is the center figure. And I think that's that's a that's that's diminishing our own stories and subordinating them to, you know, white culture. And what you do, and the reason that it's, that we know that to be the case is because when there are the rare successful black Hollywood films or theatrical pieces that focus just on the black story, white people get angry. Like oh, they, get, yeah. they get angry. Yeah. When Black Panther came out, everyone, you know, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Why does it have to be a primarily black uh, uh, movie? Why, and you're like, because that's what we want to do and that's what we need. And even when Hamilton came out, you know, Hamilton, if you haven't seen Hamilton or listened to Hamilton for shame, you should listen to Hamilton because it's a, you know, even if you don't like musicals, it's one worth listening to because it's one of the first times where you could really appreciate the story from our voice. Yeah. You know? And so I remember when Hamilton was making the rounds and, you know, the, the cast is primarily people of color. I think the, you know, the king is the only white person in the entire, <laughs> in the entire thing. Um, actors were getting upset. They were outwardly upset that they felt like, you know, this was not a colorblind cast. And you know what I say to that? Good. Good that it's ew. why does everything have to be colorblind? We we see color, color exists, culture exists. Recognize it and appreciate it. And sometimes everybody doesn't have to be a part of it because we've spent all these years not being a part of, you know stories that are even about us. Right. <laughs> you right. know, so you know, take that uh hostility and think about it. Because that hostility you're feeling towards, you know, these these the making of films and, and Broadway productions in which there's a conscious decision made to get, you know, for, for roles to be occupied by people of color, you know, realize that people of color have been having that experience Forever. since day one. Forever. Day right? one and before. And so use that as an opportunity to appreciate and understand their experience, right, that you wouldn't otherwise have access to because those stories don't get told. Yeah. And I'll end with this note because this will be a continuing conversation. But what I would love for people to do is the next time that you go to a movie, a film, a theatrical performance, anything, really take a good look at the story. Figure out who the story is about. But when you're watching it, really recognize 
who's getting all of the accolades, who's the focus in the film, who is making you feel like, oh, I'm not a bad person in the film, because I'll tell you this, it's generally not going to be the people of color in the film. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave you with that. And I say goodbye to all of you guys. And we'll see you all in a week's time. Thank you. Is the TV on? No! I'm crazy because I got five of y'all. Ow! Oh, have run me stark raving mad. Somebody left the toilet seat up. I almost fell in again. Shut up, you flat chested witch. I gotta eat this. Black eyed peas have calcium. All the calcium in the world ain't gonna make up for this nasty taste. No, please! Said no, you idiot! Give it up! You know, Daddy doesn't want to fight and yell. All Daddy wants to do is play his music. In a place called Brooklyn. And stay All it took to keep it together was a little love, peace, and soul. Alfre Woodard, Delroy Lindo, and introducing Zelda Harris. That's what family's for. Gotta stick together, right? Right. Brooklyn, a Spike Lee joint.